We're at Mark chapter 8, verse 27. And here we come to the point that we've been building for several chapters from our perspective uh, for a while in the ministry of Jesus, where he's been trying to get alone with the disciples to really have a heart-to-heart talk with them about what's coming in the future, that he's going to the cross. And he begins to do this here in verse 27. And he goes to the, uh, up north in an area called Caesarea Philippi to get alone. And he begins to talk to them about who he is and what he's about to do. And he asks a, a question, and then there's an answer in this text. And those are the two points, and that's the two very important things that come out of this. This question is the most important question in your life. And this answer is the most important answer in life. And for all of us, the issue is, where are you at with this question and answer? Jesus gives that to the disciples. In verse 27, it says, Now Jesus and His disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, He asked His disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Now notice the secrecy in this. And we've been talking about this. The reason is because Jesus didn't want the events of the cross to come prematurely. There was a time for them, and he didn't want to incite that before the time, and so he kept this a secret. And so he goes away from the crowds up north to have some privacy, and then he asks them this question, who do men say that I am, and who do you say that I am? And then we have the great answer from Peter, you are the Christ. And this was a shortened version of it, as Mark's gospel does. It gives the short, condensed version. Uh, In Matthew, we have the longer version where Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here's the great truth of who Jesus is and was. This question and this answer are ultimately important for every person who has ever lived on the earth, who lives on the earth today, and for every one of us. This question and this answer are crucial for us. Jesus got alone and He presented this. And through the Word of God, He presents it to each one of us. He said, who do people say that I am? The disciples gave the answer and said, well, some basically thought Jesus was one of the prophets. They say, some think you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah or one of the other prophets. And I think the common element there is that each one of these were killed and they thought God was going to send them back and that that's who Jesus was. John the Baptist was killed prematurely by Herod unjustly. And Herod may have generated this uh, belief among people because he's the one that said, 
That's John the Baptist whom I beheaded and he's come back now. And that might have gotten around and people thought, yeah, that's what happened. He shouldn't have killed John the Baptist. He was a great prophet and he, God sent him back now to deal with him. Some thought that. Some thought Elijah. Remember what happened with Elijah? He was taken prematurely up to heaven in the chariots of fire and it appeared that he didn't die. Period. God took him alive and apparently many thought, so then God's going to send Elijah back. And there are statements in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, saying they believe that Elijah would come first. And Jesus has to confirm that and said, yeah, Elijah's going to come first. And he was fulfilled in John the Baptist, but he also indicated there would be, be a future manifestation of an Elijah prophet before his second coming. I think that's true also. And it goes back to the Old Testament where Moses said, God's going to send a prophet to you in the future like me. And him you shall hear. And that they probably thought that meant Elijah. And so they said some people were thinking that, that he was Elijah who had come back now. Or one of the other prophets. This was the thinking of the people. And they were all wrong. They were wrong about this question. And they needed to have the right answer. And it was going to be the disciples' job to give them that right answer. And that would be their ministry in the future. And that's why Jesus is now asking them that here. And their calling would be to proclaim in the future who Jesus was and what He had done. And that was their calling by God. And Jesus is preparing them for that. And then He presses it upon them. Who do you say that I am? Peter, demonstrating his leadership, speaks up first, as he did many times, and that was a manifestation that he was going to be the leader, and later he was. And he speaks up and says, you are the Christ. But think first about the question. That question and its importance to you. Who you believe Jesus is and your relationship to Him is ultimately important for you as a person, and your future. Who do you say Jesus is? That is the ultimate question in life. For everybody on the earth today, they're thinking about all kinds of things, they're concerned about all kinds of things, and most people aren't given any thought to this question, but it's the most important question, though, in their life. Who do you believe Jesus is? The doctrine of Jesus is... The fundamental doctrine of life, fundamental truth, who Jesus is. And then he says, who do you say he is? Everybody's got to make their own choice about this question. You can only make that decision for yourself. And we see that dynamic come out here. Jesus says, well, who do other people say? Well, they say this, this, and this. But he says, but that's really irrelevant to you. Who do you say? that I am. What other people believe, what other people say is irrelevant to you. What's at the issue is you and Jesus, you as one individual and Jesus, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you believe He is? That's the ultimate question in life. And Jesus asks that of us today through the Scriptures. This question comes to us, who do you say? That I am. Jesus is the Word of God. He speaks 
through this book. And he speaks that to us today. And in every generation, he says, he looks at us and says, who do you say that I am? And we have the truth before us. And our eternal destination is based on what we answer and what we pursue to that question. Who do you say that I am? It's also a very important question for us to be directed in dealing with the world. To ask people, who do you believe Jesus is? Or you can say was, because even though we know he still is, but you can say, who do you believe Jesus was? Who walked on the earth for three and a half years? Who do you believe he was? That's a great discussion starter. It also gets you talking about the most important question in life. And a lot of unbelievers will, will discuss that with you. They'll have an opinion. You may not like what you hear, but they'll have an opinion and it can give you an opportunity then to share the truth with them. Oh, he was this and that. No, no, all, you know, they'll be all over the map just like these people. Oh, he's John the Baptist. He's Elijah. He's one of the prophets. And it gets a lot wilder, you know, today with the world. But this is a, a good question to ask people. Who do, you, who do you say Jesus was? Very important question that everybody needs to be confronted with. And if you present that to somebody, you've accomplished God's will on the earth. You know, we can't save anybody and, and we struggle a lot with evangelism and say, well, what do I say? And, you know, and I say stuff to them and tell them the truth, but they don't listen and they walk away and they're, they're still unconverted and we could feel defeated and feel like you didn't accomplish anything. But if you ask this question to somebody and press this upon them, you've accomplished God's work by confronting them with the ultimate question in life. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you believe he was? Who do you believe he is? Just asking that question presses to that person the ultimate question they need to answer. And you can't make, you can't, uh, make their decision for them. You need to share the truth and you can encourage them, but you can ask the question and leave it with them. And that's an effective witness. And so this is a, a very important question for all of us and important question for us to ask other people. Now let's talk about the answer. Peter's correct answer. And we're going to stay with this shortened form. Uh, it's tempting to go to Matthew and there's all kinds of stuff that comes out of Peter's answer. And Jesus follows up with some other statements about the church and the kingdom and so forth. But we're just going to stay with this this condensed version, because it's powerful also. You are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The word Christ is the Greek form of the Hebrew Messiah. So it's saying the same thing. They say, you are the Messiah. It literally means the anointed one. And sometimes we, we, we lose that. We don't think about that because it's taken on that connotation of his title, Christ and Lord and Messiah. It all means basically the same thing. But literally it means the anointed one. And it refers to what you see happening in the Old Testament that God would anoint certain men to do certain works on the earth and they were anointed many times physically with an anointing oil that was put on them that actually 
was symbolic that God was going to put His power on them to do something on the earth in His kingdom. And it was something very important. God anointed three different offices or positions, and only three. And they were ultimately important in the work of God in Israel and in the world. And all of those are bound up in this name Christ. Whereas there were prophets, the three offices are a prophet, a priest, and the king of Israel. All three of them were anointed when they started their work. And when they were chosen to do that work, they would be anointed and it would be symbolic of God saying, I'm putting my power on you to do this work of a prophet or a priest or a king. And God's power would come on them. And so in that sense, those prophet, priests, and kings were anointed ones. In a sense, they were messiahs in a general sense, but they were all pictures then leading up to the one supreme anointed one who was the Christ, the anointed one. And all of those offices give us indication of what all Jesus was. You see, because he was the anointed one to be the prophet of God over all prophets. He was the anointed one to be the priest, the high priest over all the other priests. And he was the one to be the king over all kings. That's why he's called the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's all wrapped up in the name Christ, the anointed one. And that is just an answer that's full of truth for us as we think about those. And in, in the Old Testament, you can look at this, and it's interesting to look at as you read through, and I hope you'll do that as you read through the Bible, read through the Old Testament. You'll notice times when God empowered prophets to go and speak for Him, and He would anoint them. Although, I'll just point this out, that um, you don't ever see, it's not recorded the moment when prophets, a lot of times where prophets were anointed. In fact, there's not any where it's, it showed when a prophet was anointed with some oil, but it just referred to it in some of the books, particularly Isaiah, where it says, like Isaiah 61, which Jesus quoted, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news. And that was Isaiah saying that at first. God did anoint him, but he was being a picture of Christ who was anointed to be the true prophet. But prophets were anointed to reveal the Word of God, and to speak the Word of God. Priests were anointed to atone for the sins of the people, to be a mediator between God and man in their sins, and to go before God and bring a blood sacrifice and to provide atonement where the people could be forgiven and cleared. And priests were anointed to do that. And only the priests could go in and do that work with the blood of the uh, uh, sacrifice. If anyone else did, they'd be struck down dead at the, at the site. If they didn't have that anointing of as a priest, they could not go and do that work. No one could enter into the holy of holies with the blood except only the high priest who had that anointing. And then you see kings of Israel anointed. You see this more particularly. You remember Samuel the prophet came to David's family when he was still a, a, a young 
man, boy, we're not told exactly what age. And he brought out a oil, a thing of oil, and he poured it on his head and said, you have been chosen to be the king over Israel. And he was anointed to be the king. And it says from that day forward, the Spirit of God came upon him. And God anointed David to be king, to be a governmental leader, because that's a part of God's work too. That's important. That's why our legislature races are important and the governor race is important and the president is important. And may God help us to have godly men who will be in these offices because it's a part of God's work. And we've gone way astray from that. But God's plan is that the, the men will be anointed to be leaders in the government as king. These were the three works that God anointed men to do. And this is what Jesus was anointed to be and to do supreme over all in the earth. He was the Christ who had been sent to the earth to be the Word of God, to be the prophet who would speak the Word of God, who would teach us the truth about who the Father was, what He had sent the Son to do, and the truth about everything, how everything works. It all came through Jesus. You say, well, we don't see Jesus till the Gospels. Remember? No. Jesus is the Word of God in the Old Testament. He's the one speaking to the prophets who tells us all the truths. And then He comes in His physical body in, in, in the Gospels and He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And He's sharing the truth as the prophet of God. The anointed prophet of God to be the Word of truth for us. And then He came to be the priest. The book of Hebrews is all about this. That Jesus came as the high priest over God's house and He went spiritually into heaven with the, His own blood and atoned for our sins in the temple in heaven. And He was the only one that could enter in and do that because He was anoint, the anointed Son of God to be the high priest over His house. And that was a part of what Christ... Jesus did as the Christ. He died and shed His blood and then He went and He offered that blood in heaven as our payment. And that was His work as the Christ. And then He's anointed to be the King. And here's the climax of everything and it's really what's most emphasized in the Old Testament and the New Testament is His work and His identity as the King. And in Revelation... That's how he's presented. He's going to be revealed as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who's the only one worthy to take ownership of the earth and to rule over the nations and all the nations are going to be given to him and he's going to be the king over it. He's the only one worthy to be anointed for that. And that's who Jesus is. And all of those things are bound up in the word Christ. And we need to remember that. We need to think about that. It's so easy. We've heard it so much. The Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of times we don't even think about it, of what that's communicating. It's communicating all these things that He's the anointed one of God over all. Now, let's apply it now in a very basic way to us. Mark's kind of short to the point. This whole interchange right here is just short to the point. One quick question, one short question, one short answer in this text that communicates a very, very basic, powerful truth is this. 
Jesus Christ is the most important person in all of human history and the most important person in your life and in my life. He's supreme over everything. He's the anointed one of everything that, need, that, that, that you need in your life, prophet, priest, and king, your Savior. He is the most important person. And so the most important question in life is, who do you say Jesus is? And do you recognize Him? Where are you with Jesus? Do you, have you given your heart to Jesus have you turned from sin? Sin is what's dragging you away from Jesus. Sin's going to take you away from Jesus, is disobeying Jesus, and you've got to deal with that and say, I'm going to forsake sin, and I'm going to choose Jesus because of who He is. He's the prophet, priest, and king. And you choose to give your life to Him. That is the most important issue in your life. He is the most important person in life. And that's why Jesus pressed this question to the disciples. Because this is the ultimate question in life. And this is the most important question for you and I to think of in our hearts down deep. Who do you really believe Jesus is? Do you see who He is? All that He is? And are you believing in that? Have you given your heart to that? Are you following Him as the Christ? Your prophet, your priest, your king as the Lord of your life. The question is, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Who do you say that I am? And the answer to that question will determine your eternal destination. It'll determine whether you live or die forever. It'll determine what your future is going to be like. It will all revolve around Jesus. And how much time do we spend thinking about then the importance of this question and this answer? And how much are we chasing other things? So easy to get distracted. So easy to get distracted by the affairs of life. Jesus, in his parable, I think about in the parable of the sower, he said, many people are different kinds of ground. And some are hard, and they just won't even let me in at all. They won't think of me at all. And, and the devil just takes the word away from them. Some are, though, like thorny ground. and they, they, they believe on me, but yet the affairs of this life, the trials of life grow up and choke out. The weeds of life choke out the word, and they lose sight of who I am. And they don't bear much fruit for me. They lose sight of the importance of this question and the answer that he's the Christ, the greatest of all. And the greatest thing we can do in life is to live for him and pursue him and get to know him with all of our heart. Do you know him as the Christ, the anointed prophet, priest, and king over the earth? This is the ultimate answer in life. It is the great truth. And this is what God asks us to share with the world. He first calls us to believe it. He, he calls the disciples first to understand this himself. He presents it to disciples first. Who do you say I am? 
Peter, James, and John. And then he says, when they say you're the Christ, he says, okay, don't tell anybody right now. But later, he told them, tell the whole world. And he calls us to receive it. And those who have received it and our hearts are changed and our hearts are given to Jesus, we are now the servant of Jesus and now our job is to then share that with the world and to encourage other people, direct other people, influence other people toward this ultimate truth. Who is Jesus? He is the Christ, prophet, priest, and king of God who will reign over the earth and all the universe forever. And your position in the future all relates on your relationship with Jesus, this anointed one, and your position then in the kingdom in the future and rewards will depend on how much you serve Jesus in this world. How much did you give your life to this truth? to the anointed one. To that degree will be your degree of reward in His kingdom when He comes. This question will determine everything about us. Past, present, and future. It is the ultimate question and the ultimate answer and one we need to be solidly focused on and we need to be right on we need, need not be off target saying, oh, John the Baptist, uh, Elijah, one of the prophets. No, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I repent of my sin. I place all my faith on you as my prophet, my priest, my king, and I surrender all to you. And Jesus is the greatest one, number one in my life. No one greater than Jesus. He is the ultimate focus of our Life. This is what Jesus presents here. This is what He presses on the disciples. This is what He brought them to, and now they're ready to go forward, and this will be their calling for the future, to call the world to this important truth. And they did that. And the gospel has come down to us now because of that. Think about how it started with those 12, those 12 weak men. And one wasn't even a believer. And one betrayed Jesus. And yet the gospel spread across Europe and into England and now in the United States and it has spread around the world through the power of Jesus, the anointed one. That's the testimony of God's work through Jesus. He was anointed, meaning God's power be with him and his kingdom has spread around the world in the hearts of people, although the world is fighting against Him and there'll be this battle that'll culminate at the end and Christ will come back to finish off the work, remove evil, and complete His work on the earth and His kingdom. And we'll be a part of that kingdom in the future. It's on the schedule. And it's all going to happen just as God has planned. Everything's planned. Think about, I just thought about reading this when I was reading through the gospel of Matthew in the Bible reading where about Judas betrayed him. When Judas couldn't get him, when, when Jesus was going to give, uh, protect some of the money from him, Judas said, oh, I'm not profiting anymore from this. Let me go to the Pharisees. I'm going to try to betray him. See how much I can get that way. And I read that. I was thinking, why did Jesus pick Judas? He knew he was a devil from the beginning. Why did he pick him? And I thought, 
That was part of the purpose of Jesus too. He knew he needed somebody to betray him. All of it's in the purpose of Jesus. Everything's in the purpose of Jesus because he's the anointed one. He's in control. He's got a plan. He's going to carry it all out and it's all going to be good. That's who Jesus is. He's the greatest over all. And he's got a plan for each of our lives and he's got a purpose for everything in the future. And we just need to trust him and to serve him. And that's the greatness of Jesus. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Would you think about this important question? Who do you say Jesus is? Have you truly, sincerely repented in your heart of your sin and chosen Jesus? It's the most important issue in our life. It will determine our eternal destination and everything, whether we live or die. Have you believed on Him as the Christ, the truth, the Savior, and the Lord of life? And there's nothing greater than that. Lord Jesus, we praise You. You are worthy. Forgive us for not seeing Your greatness and all that You are in our blindness, in our stubbornness, and in our sinfulness. And we just praise You it's the greatest one who's ever walked the earth and the greatest one who will ever be in human form. And we serve you. You have everything. You've been anointed by God with everything. And we gladly serve you with all of our heart, knowing we'll miss nothing as we serve you. And we pray that you'd help us to share this truth with others. Help us to... Help us to uh, Empower us to share this question with others and the answer to be your witnesses. Help us to do that this week and be your servant in your work on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray.